sorry I'm literally looking at my dog running around and I don't see anyone with my dog so I'm just confirming that someone is gonna find her because <laughs> she could totally take the town right now she's also in a cashmere sweater like <laughs> badass move Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my 20-somethings podcast. For those of you who are new here, we're Jenna and Sophie. We're two 20-something best friends who started this podcast to create a community of those just figuring all this out. Every other week, we bring you advice, guest mentors, and personal anecdotes so you never have to say, I wish I knew that in my 20s. Before we jump into this episode, let's each just, you know, catch up with each other. We actually haven't spoken in quite a while because we took a little bit of a break from recording. So let's catch up and just say one thing that's happening in our lives right now that's super exciting. Honestly, the most exciting thing for me is that my grandma is getting vaccinated today and she is a 97-year-old powerhouse superwoman who, like, honestly is just hilarious like she is such a powerhouse so super excited that she's getting vaccinated doesn't mean that we're not going to be able to like see her like normal obviously but it's a step in the right direction for us so that's really exciting that is super exciting um my grandmother just lined up for three hours got vaccinated felt very proud about it and mine is actually going to be about my grandmother too we have a plan today to do a call and do a virtual workout class, the two of us. And I'm so excited because she's such a fun workout buddy. I wish I could work out with my grandma, but she is 97 and I, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did promise that it would specifically be seated workouts. Ah, I see. Right. Which was a big deal breaker of hers if we couldn't find one. So (laughs) I am hoping we will make it through. I'll keep you posted. Yay for all the grandparents getting vaccinated. I know both my grandparents in England have had both doses of their vaccine. Ah. So all of my grandparents are officially vaccinated as of today. We're just going to wait for my one here to get her second dose, but very exciting for my family. Um, Yeah. yeah. Good things are on the horizon, it seems. We're moving upwards. Woohoo. All right. So Today, we're going to be talking about the one thing that we all face that will always affect us. And it's kind of like nature's way of telling us we need to slow down. You got it. Burn out. Uh, I honestly can't say that word without like a big sigh afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like burnout is such a nagging topic, Uh, but it's definitely something that we feel the need to talk about because it is something that everyone experiences and something that, you know, might not be glamorous, but is definitely a big part of life. Um, And we've personally gone through our own burnout. So we'll be talking about that a lot as well. Um, But we found a really good quote here that basically just sums up burnout. Uh, For anyone who doesn't necessarily exactly know what it is, and it basically says burnout is what happens when you avoid trying to be a human for too long. Yeah, and that was said by Michael Gungor. And I just thought this was such a succinct way of describing what burnout is and kind of why it happens. And it definitely resonated with me because if anyone, well, because anyone who knows me knows that I tend to forget that I'm human. And this is definitely the real attribution for my burnout. A hundred percent. So let's just jump right in because this is something both of us have faced, as we said, and we think it's super important to help destigmatize burnout and help you find potential ways to beat your burnout. 
So I think the first thing we need to do before we really jump into this episode is define what burnout really is. And this is something that really helps me when I'm feeling sick or down. I feel like I need to like attribute a label to it because if I'm able to identify it, I feel like I'm able to put strategies in place in order to deal with it faster. Yeah. I feel like there was a very long time in my life where I knew generally what, you know, the symptoms were and what I was experiencing, but I never actually was able to define it. And the second someone said to me, oh, you're going through a burnout. It made it so much easier to deal with because all of a sudden I put a name and a face to this monster. uh, And it kind of like turned it into something that was more tangible and understandable. Yeah. So I guess if we were to define burnout in one sentence, I think we would say that it's when you're so emotionally exhausted beyond a typical stress that you don't feel like you can do any more. It's a mind, body, and soul kind of tired. Oh, like honestly, just talking about this, like I feel like memories of that, like muscle memory of feeling that, and I'm sure everyone can relate. Uh, it's important to note that burnout is not just traditional stress. It is something completely different. It's not just the you know inability to keep up with life or laziness at all. These are real things and they can contribute to burnout, but burnout is a condition all on its own. Stress, like stress is a very real thing that people face, but it doesn't cause burnout alone. I think that's something that I used to think was, oh, if I just have so much stress, then eventually I'll burn out. It's not that. It's the combination of stress with inadequate support or resources that cause burnout. So if you're having so much stress, but you don't have strategies or systems in place in order to deal with that stress, that's when the burnout happens. And that helped me kind of identify it. So let's now talk about signs of burnout. So how do you know you're experiencing burnout? How do you know it's not something different? Uh, And therefore, how do you eventually start to treat it? And like, like we said, you may have very distinct signs as an individual, where you know, like, you're identifying those signs of burnout, and you're feeling burnt out, like, I know I have some that are very personal to myself. Um, For example, I start to feel like I can't get out of bed. And it is, I feel like I have like a magnet from my back to the bed. Like I cannot and will not get up. And that's like, when I'm feeling that way, it's really distinct for me. I know that that's like the beginning of a burnout for me. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel a lot of physical symptoms like muscle aches and tension. Mm -hmm. I carry a lot of tension in my neck and shoulder area. So I think even like whoever I'm around, my friends and family notice when I'm like going through a tougher time because my shoulders seem like conditionally raised, like they're always at a high. Um, And also I've noticed that when I'm going through a burnout period, it affects my ability to recover from physical illness. So it's almost like my immune system also goes through a burnout and, you know, even the common cold that would usually take me a, a week or two to get over all of a sudden, you know, the recovery period is doubled because my body is just running on. I described it as like low power mode for your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like another one for me is I, I get, I am always a sensitive person. It's just something that I have to admit to, but I get uber sensitive and mm-hmm. very emotional, more emotional than situations would call for. And that's when I know I'm just like, I can't regulate my emotions. I can't deal with them. So 
these are like a very short list of the signs I know I feel when I get burnt out, but we want to go through some of the common signs and symptoms of burnout that I know I felt a lot of these and just to help you identify that burnout when it does come. So a lot of people have reported having trouble sleeping, uh, whether that be, you know, uh, inconsistent sleeping pattern or not having any sleeping schedule at all. Yeah. Another one I just like talked to is feeling easily irritated or more emotional than normal. And it's that complete exhaustion that you just can't regulate those emotions. Things seem escalated. They seem bigger than they are. Um, and you just can't deal with those emotional triggers. Um, also one that I find really interesting is forgetfulness and difficulty concentrating. So it's almost like all of a sudden your mind is just not all there and you don't have the same quick wittedness that you might've had before. Mm -hmm. Another one is feeling overwhelmed. So when you just have so much work that it just, it seems like too much that you can't do it. Even simple tasks are making you feel so overwhelmed. You just don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, muscle tension and also headaches, which now that I'm thinking about it, I've totally experienced and definitely might've been a symptom of a burnout. Mm -hmm. Another symptom is a general feeling of dread surrounding work. So whether this is school or work, it applies to both. That feeling of I have a task coming up or I have a deadline coming up and I just don't want to. You're, it's not exciting. You feel like you'd rather do literally anything else. That feeling of, and it sums it up, that feeling of complete dread. Mm -hmm. And that perfectly leads into the next one, which is feeling like your goals are unattainable or unmotivating. And so that's the same thing of even things that once were exciting to you or once seemed attainable, all of a sudden are like totally out of reach and just seem like they were never something you could have accomplished. Even if, you know, a mere matter of months ago, it was totally in your wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Another one is a general lack of drive to do daily tasks. So mm -hmm. one thing that I notice if I'm starting to feel burnt out is even the idea of bringing my mug from my bedroom to the kitchen is just like, ugh. like yeah, I just making your bed is all of yeah. a sudden like the hardest thing to do. Things stop mattering in those daily tasks. It's just like, what's the point? And so that is like a big one for me. And it's, it's a good telltale sign. Yeah, I would say also what's ironic about burnout is there are some tasks that are like truly difficult tasks that you can do with no problem. And then there are other things that before, you know, would have been incredibly easy, but all of a sudden feel like they would take all of the strength you possibly have. So I guess it would just be like a shift in what seems okay for you to do and what seems like it's a real push. Mm -hmm. um, I guess like similar to a lack of drive to do daily tasks would be not taking care of your like basic needs, hygienic yeah. needs. Um, like, honestly, if I am fully being authentic and this is kind of gross, if I am feeling burnt out and I don't want to get out of bed and I get into bed early, I will not want to, it will take all of my effort and might to get up and brush my teeth brush my hair, do everything because I am just so tired. I don't want to do it. I don't care if my breath smells like it's that level. It's not just a general level. Like it goes beyond. I don't want to shower all of these things, keeping up with those basic needs for guys commonly shaving. If they stop shaving and they're getting super scruffy and they're not typically like that, it's that level of not taking care of those basic, basic needs. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, 
have definitely described it as not just feeling tired, but I think the perfect definition is like feeling fatigue where it's like just even, you know, sometimes like sitting up in bed or something, just like it feels like it takes all the energy and all the muscle strength that you have to do something that before was like you didn't think twice about. Uh, another one is that you feel like your life is always on autopilot in the sense that, you know, some things that obviously you would have done before and thought deeply about now you do. And like you can do just zoning out because you're not fully present in your day to day. And this one we have talked to, or I've talked to, and it's, but this is, it can be taken two ways that you're always tired And for me, this doesn't always necessarily need to mean that I want to go to sleep. It's this feeling of almost fog that you're just tired, you're foggy. Nothing feels better than crawling back into bed. Even if you just want to do nothing in there, you just, it's that feeling of fatigue. Like Jenna said, just foggy, always tired. You're never feeling alert and on the ball. Yeah. And then these last two kind of go together and basically it's this feeling of unequal distribution of give and take in your life. So it feels like you're constantly giving and you're constantly doing, but the rewards you're getting back just aren't making up for how much effort you're putting in. So when you have accomplishments, they don't feel as exciting to you and you don't get the same personal gratification that you once did. Because again, not a lot motivates you, not a lot excites you. And overall, even just that idea of getting excited about something and having motivation just feels like work. Yeah. And I guess just to sum that one up, it's like a lack of satisfaction in those personal accomplishments. So when you finish a paper for school, it doesn't feel satisfying. It's just like, oh, okay, that one's done. There's another one. It's it's a very different feeling or you finish a work presentation and you're like, okay, great. I hope they like it. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you don't feel that sense of attachment to your accomplishments. It's just something that happened. Exactly. So remember that this is a really short list. Obviously there are many more symptoms that people have reported feeling in a burnout. Um, and some may be completely personal to you. So just because you haven't experienced some of these doesn't mean you haven't had a burnout. I'm sure every single listener has experienced some symptoms of a burnout before, uh, whether they be, you know, a crazy large burnout that resulted in your need to completely shift how you live your life, or even just a burnout that lasted a couple hours. I think everyone can relate to this topic, um, and can benefit from talking about the different types of burnouts and also how you can get through a burnout. And I guess now that we've talked about signs and symptoms, it's important to recognize that there are also different types of burnout. And while there isn't like consensus on how many different types or what the different types are, it is recognized that there's not just one type of burnout. Burnout is like an umbrella term, but it can be attributed to different things. And there are different types of burnout. Mm -hmm. So the one that we found that resonated with us the most like how they describe the types of burnout is a list from workingmother.com and they say that there are at least different they say that there are at least eight different types of burnout right so let's go through these pretty fast and just describe the different types of burnout Um, they all have different names and you might know some of these by your own names for them but they're very general concepts of the different parts of your bodies and of your nervous system that can be affected by burnout. Uh, I think this also goes back to what I said before, but like identifying it, if I know, like we'll go through the names in a moment, but if I know that I'm having a certain type of burnout, I'm going to use different strategies to help solve and like, like not cure. 
to help solve and get over that burnout mm-hmm. because it's a it's attributed to different situations. So this yeah. is really helpful for me to identify. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, when you have pains in your body and you kind of have to say, okay, where is the pain located? Where is it coming from? And the second you do that, it's much easier to treat it because you've you've identified exactly what the source is. And that's the same with burnout. Burnout comes from somewhere. And so finding where it's generally residing helps you know how to tackle it. Mm-hmm. So the first type of burnout is listed as mental burnout. And this is the idea like my mind cannot process anymore. It's fried. And like, I commonly feel this one if I'm studying for exams at the end of a semester and I am literally at the point where I'm like, I cannot read a single, another single PowerPoint slide. I can't read another textbook page. I am fried. I am at capacity and it feels like it's before the exam. I can't do it. Like that's the level of, I, I can't, I can't read it. My brain is full. It's fried. Yeah. And I feel like this one, you know, can be short term or long term. So just like you said, I've totally, you know, had a three hour lecture and just felt like my brain feels like it's mush. And that totally is mental burnout. But then there's also the long-term version of it where in general, you know, doing anything that requires strengthening those mental muscles feels like it is just so above and beyond tiring. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next one we have here is emotional burnout. And this is when you have these heavy or anxious emotions that are just exhausting. And so basically feeling your emotions and sitting within your emotions feels like work. Um, and so I definitely have felt this one when I'm just going through a harder emotional time in my life. And it's like, God, like even just talking about my emotions feels exhausting to me. And I've definitely like gotten emotional and then needed to take a nap afterwards because it takes stuff out of you. So emotional burnout is a big one. I think like I face this one, like in two ways. So like if you're having almost like an emotional argument or like conversation with a friend and you're just so emotionally burnt out because not only is it playing at like your feelings, your feelings, I guess, are the same as emotions, but it's just, you can't do it anymore. You can't handle it anymore. It hurts so much. And then Mm -hmm. there's also the other side of it. Like, I know, like if you're having a family trauma or family emergency, and it's just so emotionally overpowering that it you just feel so burnt out from it because you're like I can't handle any more of this and those are two times when I faced emotional burnout yeah definitely the third one is compassion burnout and this I guess could be summed up as I cannot hold any more loving space for anyone else I'm tapped and it's when you're giving, I think the way that I interpret this is when you're giving so much to other people, it's like you're giving, 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 and you're loving so many other people and you just, you can't do anymore. Like you can't take care of a whole other person because you're just, you're, you're tapped. I, yeah. I don't know if I felt this one really yet, but. Well, no, like I honestly, when I just read this now, I was like, that's so true. Like this is when I think they don't talk about enough because we're often taught in life that you know, we can't run out of love. Like we have an endless amount of love and you can give it freely. But at the same time, it can be exhausting to give yourself to other people and to be vulnerable with other people and open up to other people. And so this is definitely one that I didn't know existed, but like, oh my gosh, it totally resonated with. Like I've definitely, you know, been in a relationship or even just a friendship where I've just given and given and just said like, I am exhausted from from supporting people and from giving love to others. 
And I guess the next one that's relational burnout is very connected to compassion burnout. And it's, I've been over giving to others, my organization or my community family, and I am over it. And I think that different to compassion burnout, this is like when you have a relationship with someone and I experience that it's not being able to say no or almost doing like the most and then feeling like I've set that precedent so I can't go back on it. And so I'm giving, giving, giving to my parents, trying to do everything around the house and whatnot. And I'm over it. Like, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm getting anything back, which is not true. This is totally just an example, but it's, it's that relational, like you're not feeling like there's a give and take and you're just giving and you're like, I'm over this. It is not worth my time. Right. Um, yeah, like even in that one, when you talk about my organization, overgiving to your organization, like that's something that I've definitely mm-hmm. done where, you know, something I was involved in, I just gave my all, I gave 150%. And then even though, you know, I obviously saw the benefits of my giving, it's exhausting to give and to, you know, do your best all the time for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that one's definitely a relatable one. Uh, the next one is survival burnout. And that's when you are exhausted from just trying to make ends meet and stay afloat. So that's one that I'm sure a lot of people have resonated with or know someone who's resonated with. Yeah, I think this like, I I think as a child or not as a child, as a young teen, when you're just trying to figure out finances and this is very different from real financial problems that like people face. But I know like as a teen, there was a period of my life where I overspent Mm -hmm. and my parents, it was the first time ever where they were like, we got to let her fall. Like we got to let her deal with this and we're not going to give you the money. Like, sorry, you're not getting your Starbucks. Like, woe is me. Right. (laughs) And that to me, so different, but on a much smaller scale, but there was like, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to pay to get to school on the bus? And it was that realization. I was like, oh shit, like this is a real thing. And it was just a taste of it. But feeling that at a hundred percent, when you have like rent to pay or whatnot, like it mm-hmm. just kind of confirmed. I'm like, wow, this is, I'm worried as a 15 year old girl about not being able to get to school. Like this isn't something I want to feel. And it's that feeling of, I have an empty bank account. What am I going to do? Absolutely. And there are people who truly live day by day. And that is exhausting if every day having to put your all in to make sure that you can put food on the table and that you can have somewhere to sleep that night. And so I can definitely understand how much energy uh, you must provide, put into just living. And gosh, mm-hmm. like that's exhausting. Exactly. Uh, the next one is called superwoman burnout. Uh, one I've never heard of, but that's basically the weight of taking on too much. Like I can't hold it all anymore. That one's a very general one. Um, I would definitely say uh, it's relatable of just feeling like, gosh, I have too much on my plate. Um, you know, I have too many things that are weighing on me, um, which, you know, applies to so many different scenarios. So I'm sure it's relatable to a lot of people. This one's my absolute favorite one. And this one is actually the one that resonates with me the most. And even the way that they've like labeled it as superwoman burnout, I know this is the one that I experience the most. And this is the one that causes all of my burnouts essentially. And it's that taking on too much. And it goes back to that quote, like it's burnouts what happens when you pretend to not be human. And Mm. that is just me in a nutshell. And I take on so much and then I crumble under the weight of it. So I almost like the label of it. And I think it's going to help me. This is like the first time I've seen it when I do feel like that, because it's 
it really sums it up for me really nicely. Right. That's true. The next one is passion burnout. I love what I do, but I've given too much and pushed too hard. And this could be like an entrepreneurial venture. This could be your hobby. This could really be anything if you love what you do. And it's so it's different because you're not resenting necessarily what you do, but you're like, I love this, but it is sucking the life out of me. And it's hard. This one's hard because you love what you do. So you don't want to stop, but it's still not good to take on more than you can handle. Cause again, you're still just human. And even though you love it and it feels good, it can still make you feel burnt out. Absolutely. And a lot of people forget that. Like they think, but I'm getting something out of it and I enjoy it. So I can't consider it a burnout because it's also providing me with benefits, but absolutely. Even the things that you love, even the people that you love can, you know, weigh on you emotionally, physically, everything like that. I think this one is one of the, this is one for me is one that I find hard to identify on my own. Mm -hmm. I feel like commonly if I'm having a passion burnout, so like when I was a dancer, my mom would have to identify it with me. She's like, you're pushing yourself too hard. You're exhausted. Do you maybe think it could be the fact that you're dancing like 20 hours a week? And I'd be like, no, 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 (laughs) dying. And she's like, "Mm." so that one's a really interesting one. Yeah, dance is a good one to do. If anyone, you know, did a competitive sport, this is one that I definitely think you can get burnout from because you love it and, you know, you love doing something that you might be passionate for, but also have skill in. And at the same time, it can still take a lot out of you and can still reach a point where it's not healthy. And mm-hmm. I think Sophie and I, when you describe dance, I was like, nail, hit the nail on the head. That's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the last ones is physical burnout and oh boy, did I experience this? And I'll talk about this, you know, when we go into our, our last burnouts, but this is when your body is rebelling. And it basically just says, uh, all of me, my bones, my muscles, my immunity, everything like that is just so depleted that it can't function the way it's supposed to. And your body wants to, because obviously your body wants to support you, but it doesn't have the means to keep up with your day to day. I, I love this one because it's one that, again, I faced. Um, and this, like, I, I identify as an athlete and I work out at a studio. It's like a CrossFit gym called mm-hmm. Orange Theory. And they're super intense workouts, super fun. I absolutely love it. But there was a period where I think I worked out every single day, day there for two weeks. And this is not just a regular workout. Like, you're burning, like, six, 700 calories a workout. You're really going at it. And on the last day of the two weeks, I remember getting home from the workout and I would like run to the gym and run home like before and after the workout. And my body, when I tell you, I couldn't remember my name. I couldn't remember my name. We had to call an ambulance. Like my body shut down. I was watching friends. And like, if you've heard our first episode, (laughs) obsessed with Jennifer Aniston, I couldn't identify the characters on the screen. I couldn't move half my body. I was slurring. I couldn't talk. Like we thought I was having a stroke and that was like, a physical burnout that took me weeks to recover from. It was a very, like, it was scary, but that was my body saying like, you need to chill, right? (laughs) Take a chill. And so you can have physical signs that are like physically attributed to burnout. Um, and yeah, that, that's a very real one as well. That's not just fatigue. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, the last one that I want to add in that actually wasn't on the original list, but it's definitely been one that's resonated with me. Uh, I call creative burnout and, you know, I work in the creative industries. I consider myself a creative and this is definitely one that I'm sure everyone who's ever created before in some manner has experienced, 
Uh, it's also been referred to, you know, as writer's block. Sometimes people call it creative drainage. And it's basically just the idea when you have exhausted that, you know, I don't think there's a creative gene, but if you were to refer to it as a creative gene, it's like you've used up all your creativity and you reach a point where you're like, I don't know how to do it anymore. I don't have anything more that's exciting and new and novel to give. And obviously, you know, that's not how creativity works. It's not like you use it all up, but it can definitely feel like that at some points in your life where you just feel like, oh no, I peaked too soon. I've, I created, you know, too fast and now I can't keep up. So I've definitely reached that point uh, and creative burnout is a big one that is often forgotten about. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's our, our nine types of burnout. I, I, I hate to ask you this because I know it's a touchy subject, but I think it'd be really beneficial for me and for everyone else listening to hear about our personal burnouts, maybe our last burnout that we went through that were that really stuck with us for having affected us. Uh, maybe share our stories and talk about, you know, like what it felt like. How did we know it was a burnout and how we coped and recovered? I think it's really funny. My last burnout was December and it obviously wasn't just December, but I always like always, always, always get just burnt out in December and April. And I think it has something to do with semesters ending and it's a very busy time of year. And so it was very recent December and this semester was very different. It was online school. And so there was a huge transition there and I faced a lot more stress. I didn't cope with it as well as I normally do with school. And then I also had a full-time job and I would be working and I've recently put systems in place for the semester to try and not get burnt out, but I would be working from 9am all the way pretty much until 9pm and or 9pm 10pm and I wouldn't be able to put it away and so I just felt like I was giving 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 I was doing school giving doing work like living at home was different like there was that whole added stress and I got to a point where I just wanted to quit like I wanted to crawl into bed and quit like I I I didn't feel any purpose for being on this earth quarantine definitely didn't help but it was like a classic burnout for me. I broke out. I couldn't, I just felt like I could not go on. And the best part about these burnouts for me is that they happen typically right before a break. My body almost like senses that a break is coming up. Mm -hmm. And I had a two week break from work. And when I tell you I did nothing, I mean, I took maybe five days just in bed. And that was like the only way for me to recover. It was so deep rooted. I felt completely depleted and after those two weeks, I was almost ready to go back to work again. And I felt that excitement again. And I had to take iron over the break. I was low on that. Like it was, it was unlike a burnout I'd ever faced before, because I think that transition online and a job, like I'd never worked a real serious job before like this. Plus school, it was just starting to get to the point where I was done. And I started at the end of the break to feel excited again. And it was that like relief of, oh, I do really like what I did or I do really like what I do, but I was just doing too much of it. So it helped me understand what caused the burnout last semester so that hopefully this semester, like I've put systems in place to avoid it because it got to the point where the only way to cure that burnout was literally five days in bed. And I felt like, a bag of potatoes and there's no other way to put it other than a bag of potatoes I couldn't move I was so burnt out and my boss told me she was like I knew you were burnt out she was like I can tell 
And she's like, you need to be more open with us and tell us when you're feeling that way. And that clicked for me. I was like, oh, like burnout isn't like a dirty thing. Like it's a thing that just happens and they felt it before. So definitely putting systems in place this semester, try and avoid it. But that was my worst burnout ever by far. Yeah, uh, I totally relate to that idea of just like feeling so, so exhausted. Um, and I think there's this weird negative connotation with this idea of, you know, needing to stay in bed some days, like people just associate it with laziness and, uh, or even, you know, other things. Um, and I don't think as long as it is being, you know, done for a specific purpose of uh, rejuvenation and revitalizing your mind and everything like that, uh, I think it's absolutely healthy and it's vital to just spend some days truly just letting your body reboot. I think it was funny. Like when I literally spent days in bed, my parents would come into my room because again, I was living at home and they'd be like, good, you're in bed. And that to me was like, oh my God, like I must really not be okay that they can tell that like I need five days in bed. Like, are right. you kidding me? Am I, am, am I that? Like, like, is it that obvious that I'm this tired and this exhausted from everything that I do? And so it was funny to have that validation where it's like, yeah, good, good you're in bed. I'm like, what? So my story starts after my first year of college. Um, I just completed my winter semester. Um, and I was already pretty exhausted because, you know, the transition into school is really tough. Um, and obviously your schools give you a lot of resources, but regardless, it's something that you just have to get used to and you have to learn how to manage on your own. Um, and I got sick after school for about six months, um, which was not usual for me. I am a pretty healthy person. Um, I'm very fortunate to not have any long-term conditions. This was not the norm for me and it definitely did scare some of my to my healthcare practitioners and I was going for lots and lots of tests they really wanted to figure out figure it out no one could find out what it was um and it basically was just this long term inability to fight off illness and I just couldn't recover from basic things like a cold or you know some bug and stuff like that and it just turned into you know, my body just not being able to bounce back like it normally could. Um, and so I spent, you know, a good half of my year uh, in and out of bed, you know, so I still would have to find ways to go to work, go to school, do my life. And then I'd come home and crash on the couch. I was falling asleep at like 4 p.m. Um, not my, you know, highest moment, I would say. Um, and eventually, obviously, there was a diagnosis into what exactly just like fully beat my immune system. But even beyond that, they basically found that my year, as exhausting as it felt in the moment, was having a bigger toll on my body than I even knew. And it basically was just that my body was constantly at 110% of just go, 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 go. Um, subconsciously, like it was subconsciously, I constantly had my foot on the gas pedal that is your adrenal glands that gives you that adrenaline to keep going. Um, and I was just pushing, pushing, pushing through. Um, and obviously that's not realistic because as Sophie said, we're not super beings, we are humans and we break down. Um, and so it was inevitable. And basically my body just finally gave in and said, I cannot do this anymore. It's not, I can't keep running on low battery on 
on 1%. Um, and so it gave in and it basically forced me to finally let it rest. And it said, fine, if you're not going to, you know, give me the R&R that I need, I'm going to make it so that you just can't recover from something so that you do need to spend time in bed and you do need to, you know, rest and take a breather and, and take it down to 50% even sometimes because it wasn't what I was doing. Um, and it obviously wasn't enjoyable in the moment and it was something I really had to learn to cope with. And I remember just thinking, God, like, why isn't this over yet? And just not accepting that recovery takes time. Um, but eventually when I was able to just say, you know, this is out of my control. All I can do is listen to my body and respect my body. Eventually I was able to get over it. And I do feel I'm so much stronger because of it. And it taught me so many skills about how important it is to hear your body before it's crying out for help and saying like, enough is enough. You have to support me. And that really was what happened. So I definitely now try to be proactive with my body rather than reactive um, and to give myself notable moments of complete rest and uh, recognize that, you know, like I often compare our bodies to cars in the sense that just like cars, yes, you can put gas in us and we can keep going, but inevitably we're going to break down at some point and we will need to be brought to the shop and serviced and had an oil change and stuff like that. But unfortunately, humans don't have service shops. So the way that we get serviced is by giving ourselves time to rest and recoup um, and recover. And so I think I needed to schedule into my days more time to appreciate how hard my body works for me because I don't think I realized how well my body supports me until it really just couldn't anymore. And that was a big wake up call. Um, and I definitely feel that it was a burnout I never want to experience again, but it was something I needed to go through. I think it's like, you reminded me when you said it was like kind of that you were sick yeah. and that, that kind of led to it. And it actually reminded me, and it was not something that we've talked about yet, but whenever I get burnt out, I get a sore throat, mm. which is, I don't know if this is a common thing or if this is like a me thing or again, they could be totally uncorrelated. It's just the timing has always worked this way, but I always get a sore throat. And I think it's funny, like your body gives you, like Jenna said, warning lights that are consistent and individual to you. And it is, you don't have unlimited energy. You have to charge yourself up. And people say that it's almost... <laughs> My favorite thing is working smarter, not harder. And so if you're going to constantly work hard, work hard, work hard, you need to give yourself time to charge up. And so it's like Jenna said, like she got sick. And I remember Jenna at that period, like, I don't even think you felt like you could hang out or like really talk. No. About like you were beyond. I was a different person. You were a different person. It was, it, it genuinely felt like you were a different person, but you did a good job of saying like, I'm exhausted. I can't hang out. I can't go for a walk. Like I can't go get coffee. And you did exactly what your body needed you to do. Yeah. And no, I don't think your sore throat's a coincidence at all. I think our bodies are so clever and they know how am I going to get this message through to her that I need a break. And the way that it mm -hmm. does it is it, it gives you a physical symptom because for some reason in our society, we respect physical symptoms over mental ones. Um, and so it gives you a physical symptom. So you feel, oh no, maybe I have a sickness coming on. I better rest so I can get to it before it gets too bad. 
And then your mind goes, aha, I've reached her. I tricked her. And Mm -hmm. you do what it needs it to do. It's funny, like that last burnout in December. So now I just recovered from that, but my throat is killing me. Not COVID, got a test. I swear, I promise it's negative. But (laughs) it's funny because I went back. I just, I kind of like just recovered and then went back into work and I got a sore throat right away. And I almost feel like it's my body's way of being like, ah, not so fast. I will burn you out again. Pace yourself. You already have a sore throat. So you got to stop. And it was, it's interesting. Like it's, it's a consistent thing that happens and it almost forces me. I took a day in bed because of my sore throat. So it, it forces you to stop. Yeah. And I think the other interesting thing is how interconnected all those different types of burnouts we'd listed are. And so, yes, my burnout, I would typically describe as a physical burnout, but also it led to other things like creative burnout where I just couldn't, you know, do when I had to write a paper for something or come up with a new product, I was like exhausted because I was thinking, oh, I already have to, you know, deal with my physical health. Now I have to talk about stuff too. And and emotional health, it led to so many other things. I was so, I had so many other symptoms of like, just not being able to handle my emotions. And they're all so interconnected and they lead from one burnout to another. And it's so interesting to me how powerful our bodies are in, in taking one thing and, and, connecting it with the different systems that work. Mm-hmm, exactly. So that being said, obviously Jenna and I have recovered from burnouts before mm-hmm. and we want to help you beat your burnout and whether or not you're currently feeling burnt out, which you very well maybe, or you're just like wanting to make sure that you're not getting to that point. Mm-hmm. These are things that I do not only after I've gotten burnt out, but I use them as preventative methods and I use some of them in combination. So we're going to share some things that have worked for us in the past or are currently working for us to kind of slow down the probability of having a burnout. But we encourage you to do things and find strategies that work for you because again, different things are going to work for different people and different types of burnouts. And as we've stated so many times previously, we're obviously not experts. We are not uh, health professionals. But what's great about this is because we've had our own experiences with burnout, we've been given a lot of advice from a lot of people who do have that experience. So a lot of these come from just our own and then other ones were things that were recommended to us. And some of them worked wonders specifically for me and I'm sure some for Sophie as well. So we're really excited to share this really great list with you. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start Jenna? Yeah. So one that was introduced to me by a bunch of different people uh, was meditation and mindfulness practices. Now, a lot of people are skeptical about this and they think how on earth does you know resting my mind affect things like physical symptoms? But oh boy, does it. As I said earlier, everything in our body is interconnected. And it's just like, I compare it to like acupuncture when you, you, know, you, put, you press a pressure point on your arm and all of a sudden your head stops hurting. And it's the same with our bodies. You treat one part and it leads to the treating of other parts. Um, and so meditation and mindfulness practice has so helped in nurturing our bodies and acknowledging that our minds are working hard and that they deserve a break and taking the time, even if it's five minutes in your day to just let your mind just rest and just not have to work so hard and just be in the moment, lets it rejuvenate and lets it almost reboot in the sense that it says, okay, I've now, you know, I've now done what I need to do and I've been given this little power nap. I have now the power to start and do something again. So it's a really quick solution to 
if you, you know, are having a really fast paced period of your life where you just need to keep going, a really quick fix is taking five minutes out of your day to give your mind the rest it deserves. Mm -hmm. Meditation just allows my brain time to process the information that it's been taking. Absolutely. And that, that for me is like the key to it. Like I try to meditate once a day to a podcast or something in the morning or before I go to bed. And it just allows me to process. So I guess the second one is similar, but this is something that I have been working on really, really hard. Um, and it's attributed to a lot of my burnouts and it's disconnecting and disconnecting from screens because right now I feel like my life is completely run and taken over by screens and it's a constant stimulus. So we're talking that we have literally said that burnout is what happens when you're continuously taking in information or you're working hard or you're giving to people and on and on and on and on and on. And that's what's happening when you're on screens and on devices because you get an email you're like, oh, I'm just going to respond to it so quickly or, oh, I'm going to read this news or watch this TV. And again, just like meditation, you need to give your brain time to process. So disconnecting from external things, from your friend who's over halfway across the country, who's talking to you or anything, like you just need that time for yourself. So disconnecting from electronics, from other stressors is really important, at least for me to prevent and control break, um, burnouts. Absolutely. Uh, our next one is taking mental health day from work. Just because your symptoms aren't physical does not mean that they aren't serious and they should be treated with the same respect as physical health. So 100%, I believe it should be a national holiday where we're all allowed a mental health day. Our bodies need breaks and sometimes our bodies aren't equipped to handle the unrealistic style of a nine to five job. So making sure you take the time to say, nope, this is too much for me. I need to take care of my body and I need to be proactive so that my body doesn't reach a point where it's screaming at me that it's just exhausted. Taking a mental health day is something that takes a lot of courage, it's true, but it's also something that's really respectable. And if you can prioritize your body sometimes over you know, a lot of other things, I think a lot of people will see you having a good work-life balance. And that's actually a pro that a lot of employers are looking for. This is, I just want to add one thing because my mom from, I think I was in grade four when she started giving me permission to take mental health days. And that has, being allowed when you're nine, 10 years old to take a mental health day. And my mom normalizing that for me, literally saying like, do you need a mental health day? Okay, Sophie, we'll stay home today has like paved that for the rest of my life. And that has absolutely changed. I think the person that I am, the ability to take a mental health day. So it's not as easy as it is just said. It's easier said than done. So 100%. that's a big one. Parents normalize taking mental health days for your kids because it will be life-changing in the long run. Exactly. Um, another one is to talk to your friends and family, or if it feels right, a counselor or therapist, and just talking through these things. Maybe you don't like identify that you're burnt out and they can identify it. Same thing with that passion burnout. Sometimes just talking about something will help you feel better. Or even if you're getting to that point, you're like, I feel like I'm getting burnt out. They'll be like, okay, how can I help you? So I think that talking about things, if you feel comfortable, is a really great way just to get things out into the air. 100%. Uh, our next one is to learn to say no and set working boundaries for yourself. Saying no is another one that is so much harder than it seems like it would be. Uh, a lot of people, especially in the capitalistic society that most of us live in, are taught that you need to say yes to everything. And that, you know, the more easygoing you are and the more driven you are, the better you'll do in life. 
but learning to say no truly is a skill. Um, and it's something that is showing that you can, you know, have set boundaries for yourself and you can recognize, you know, the needs of yourself and of others. So learning to say no and putting, you know, moments where you have for encouraging yourself to say, no, I put my work away at 5 p.m. Even if I'm not finished, that was my boundary I set, uh, will help you stay structured, but also uh, keep yourself being kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I love that one. Mm-hmm. Um, super, super effective, yeah. by the way. Um, the next one is something that I do more than I used to now because I feel like it helps so much. And it's increasing your self-care. And self-care, as much as it... <laughs> how to put this because I feel like there's like two types of self-care there's like a superficial self-care and then there's a self-care where if you're using it properly it can actually help and it's the exact same thing so things that I do is like take a bath do a face mask and just make myself feel pampered Mm -hmm. and I do this as self-care Sunday and I've now tried to incorporate it into my everyday because it's it just makes me feel like I'm taking that time for myself and it genuinely helps. But I think the reason I kind of separate it from like a superficial self-care is because I recognize I'm like, I'm taking this, I like, well, like aff- affirm, I'm taking this time for myself. I'm not going to do work while I have the face mask on my face. I'm going to sit down and actually enjoy this time and use this to rejuvenate and appreciate this time that I'm taking for myself. And so that to me is just giving to myself again, like that give and take. So I'm taking time for myself to pamper myself. And um, even things like I got myself a new face wash that I really like. And it's, it's the little things. It's the little things. It doesn't have to be big. What I love about self-care is that it can be totally individual to you and what you consider self-care is, you know, maybe different from what someone else considers self-care. So for example, Sophie said she has self-care Sunday. I, for the last, I want to say three or four years, have done Sunday fun day. And what that means to me is on Sundays, I don't do schoolwork. Uh, Even if I have stuff, you know, that I didn't finish on Saturday, it waits till Monday. Sorry, it's Sundays are off limit. And on Sundays, I do one thing that I find fun and that I find a moment of play. Um, And that's different for everyone. So for me, it could be going out and trying a new fun coffee shop, or it could be, you know, browsing the aisles at HomeSense, obviously not in COVID. I haven't had my Sunday fun days in the same way, but it's something small that I consider fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it basically encourages us to have moments of play in our lives, because even though play is something we, you know, have done as children in our lives, we don't upkeep play because we don't practice it. And so we often forget the importance of play and how to play. And so making sure you make time for play and you see it as just as important as, you know, your times where you're going to be productive in terms of your work or your schooling. Um, encouraging moments of self-care like that are so incredibly important and have changed my life. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that both Jen and I use Sunday as a day. Like my rule on Sunday is it's self-care Sunday and I don't do anything I don't want to do mm-hmm. unless there's a Bills game on. That's a non-negotiable with my boyfriend. I have to watch the Bills game. <laughs> but other than that, I don't do anything that doesn't feel right. And sometimes it does feel right to respond to a few emails because I know that it's going to make me feel good for Monday, right. but I don't do it unless I want to. Mm-hmm. And that has changed the game, which brings us into our next tip to beat your burnout. This one's short and sweet. Love it. Doesn't need much of an explanation. Take motherfucking breaks. 
Sorry, That's it. pardon my French, but it deserved the little accent because you got to take breaks. It's as easy as that. They can be 30 second breaks. They can be two hour breaks. You decide what you need in the moment. But taking breaks is only natural because we as humans are not made to go constantly. And we are proof of that. My six month hiatus from life um, was proof of that. You cannot function at 100% always without the breakdown. Um, and so setting breaks as a part of your routine is so incredibly important is just a natural way to nurture your body. Um, that's it. No more explanation needed. Take motherfucking breaks. Jenna just summed that up perfectly. Take some motherfucking breaks (laughs) and it is not hard, but it is because sometimes you feel like you have a million things on your plate. You're like, ah, I don't deserve a break. I have all this work. I have to do it, but that's not true. Like you still, no matter how much you have on your to-do list, you still need to take breaks because otherwise you're going to face that burnout. So take some motherfucking breaks because you deserve it no matter what you have on your to-do list. And that's something that I faced. Mm-hmm. Um, our next one is to work on getting your sleep schedule back on track and potentially if this is something that you are, um, prone to read before bed in te- instead of checking emails. And this is something that I've changed. So I used to be horrible with a sleep schedule. I would some nights fall asleep at 3am other nights at like 9pm, like no semblance of a sleep schedule. And I think that that attributed to a lot of my burnout. Um, the past time was I, I was waking up at random times. I had no routine. So now I have decided that I've like set a time that I go to bed and a time that I wake up. And I try to stay to it as closely as possible. And that means that I put my phone away at 9 p.m. and I read and I don't look at it. So working on your sleep schedule and actually doing things, if that resonates with you like I do, to make sure that you're sticking to that sleep schedule and not scrolling through TikTok at 3 a.m. will help you prevent those burnouts before they happen. Mm -hmm. This next one um, is a great one. Obviously, if you have the time and resources to do so, get checked by your doctor. Um, Obviously, it's not a possibility for everybody, but as we said previously, burnout can lead to some serious physical symptoms um, and that is not good for your long-term health. So check in on yourself, um, see if there's anything that they can prescribe you that might help you in recovering from your burnout or prevent future burnouts. Um, iron levels is a big thing that can be affected. Um, I definitely experienced, um, a bit of, uh, low class anemia when I was going through my burnout. Um, so a lot of people have certain things that are easily treated, but only if, you know, you look into them. So definitely make sure you, uh, see what you can do to help get your health back on track during a burnout. Mm -hmm. The next one is to drink water, tea, all of your happy juices um, to stay hydrated. You have to fuel your body in order to deal with all of your stress and staying hydrated is, is something that I often neglect, but even like a tea that will help you feel more like yourself and keep things moving through your system will really help. And there are certain teas and supplements that you can take that assist in immune and adrenal support, which again, will also help you prevent or recover from your burnouts while they're happening. Um, But yeah, just make sure you're staying hydrated, especially while at home. Drink that water. (laughs) Uh I find that I now need to carry a water bottle around the house with me, which is ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going in with one final one. Uh, And I think it sums up this list perfectly where it says, 
give yourself the permission to say, I am not at 100% right now, and that is okay. Um, Being in a burnout doesn't say anything about you. It doesn't say that you are less capable than anyone else. It is something that is oh so natural and that is just a part of the circle of life. Um, So being able to roll with the punches and just say, you know what? I am just in a lower phase of my life right now. And that's okay. That's natural. All I know is that what's coming next is going to be the upstream. So being able to accept a burnout, being able to work through a burnout and just live in your burnout and be optimistic for what is to come is oh so important in getting through it. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So I guess a really great way to wrap this up is to say that burnout is a cycle. And just because you've had one burnout, it's not like a virus. You don't build antibodies to the burnout. It will happen again. And it is a cycle and it is normal. And you are likely to face more than one burnout um, in your lifetime. It's not a dirty thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just the cycle of the work environment and you need to make sure that you're filling your cup so that you can deal with them as they come. We talked a lot about this in a previous episode where we talked about the study of Taoism. Uh, Definitely go check it out if you haven't already. It goes into lots of detail about going with the flow of life and I think that perfectly applies here of saying there are things in this world we cannot control and obviously there are proactive things we can do to prevent burnouts but It is not something that you can become immune to, as Sophie said. It is something that just might happen and we just need to learn how to roll with it and how to accept that sometimes we will go through hard times in our life, but we are more than equipped to get through them. And these tips that we provided you are just some ways for how you can conquer your burnout. Exactly. So take breaks. I just want to emphasize that one. Take breaks. Take breaks. We love breaks. breaks. (laughs) (laughs) You're allowed breaks. You're allowed to take breaks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just part of life and part of being human because we are not superhuman. So never feel guilty about your burnout. Just ride the wave like Jenna said and everything will eventually be okay again. Absolutely. If you've ever said you wish there was a written how-to manual for navigating your 20s, Your 20s by Jessica Smith is the read for you. The author does such an amazing job at making these years seem less daunting with personal anecdotes and comforting advice for growing up. Standout chapters include dating yourself, building a badass brand, and body acceptance. She even includes some fun and easy exercises to get you into a mindset for success. My favorite part of the book is when she talks about finding your ness. So for me, I'm finding my Sophie-ness. Your nest is the little voice of wisdom that we all have inside of our heads. Jess encourages you to trust in your nest and believe that it will guide you to where you should be going. Jenna and I have totally adopted this lingo and channel the My 20-something nest every chance we get. We are so glad to be partnering with this amazing author and, spoiler alert, we will be giving away two free copies of Your 20s over on our Instagram. And as a My20Somethings listener, you are the first to know. So make sure you check out our Instagram page on Wednesday, April 14th for all the details. So if you've listened to any of our episodes before, you know that we love a good game segment. We always make sure to include a fun little game at the end portion of each episode. And today we're bringing you a fantastic new one that we are oh so excited for. Uh, We discovered a website recently called isitnormal.com. And this is an online forum where anyone anywhere can ask questions that they may be too afraid to admit to in person. 
considering the leading purpose of our podcast is to start the conversation and discuss the nitty gritty for you, it seems only fitting to ask and answer some of our favorites from this site now in a new segment we like to call, but is it normal? And I guess we also just want to mention that these are absolutely our opinions and the word normal is a construct of our current society. There is no such thing as normal. It's just our opinion. And again, Jonah and I may have different opinions, Absolutely. but um, we're by no means saying that we have the answers here just for funsies. Okay. First one we found, is it normal to not want affection in relationships? Like in like romantic relationships? I'm assuming that's what they mean, but to be honest, it could apply to anything. I don't know. I feel like I'm an affectionate person. So I want it, but I feel like it's... I don't think it's abnormal if that's something that you and your partner have both expressed. I think there has to be a bit of a consensus because if there's not, there's obviously going to be discrepancies between the give and take of the relationship, what people are expecting, what they want to receive. But if it's something that you can enjoy without having physical affection, at least, I think there's other kinds of affection, then absolutely. I feel like it's like people who are huggers and people who are not huggers. Right. Like I'm a hugger. So obviously like I like affection from like all my relationships, but not, not the same. Anyways, We'll totally Um. (laughs) talk about this in another episode, but there are so many different types of love language and not all of them are physical. So as long as you are expressing your love for someone in some way, I don't think physical affection needs to necessarily be involved for it to be a healthy relationship. All right. The second one. Is it normal to need to sleep with the TV on every night? Ooh, okay. So I'm kind of guilty of this, but I get what they're saying because I don't love complete silence when I sleep. So it doesn't have to be TV per se, but I need to have music on or TV or even just people talking in the background. Like I find that when it's too quiet, it's like eerie. And I just like get like, I I get, I start listening to the little teeny like cracks in the floor and like it gets too deadly silent for me to sleep. So I get what they're saying. Um, I think it's normal. I don't think it's super healthy to watch so much TV right before you sleep. But if your question is, is it normal just to have sound on in the background? Absolutely. What about you? I think, I think that it's something that's becoming more normal, but I don't think it's natural. Um, I think like it's it's proven that your brain is the most active when you're asleep because it's processing everything through the day and you're actually conscious when you're sleeping of sounds and you're still taking in that stimulus so it's normal because it's like an addictive thing and I got there but you can also train yourself out of it so I think it's normal but I don't know if it's the healthiest thing you know it's interesting though I mean in prehistoric times people would sleep outdoors And they'd hear the sounds of crickets and animals and trees and waters. So I think it might come from that of not wanting to exist in pure silence because that's uncomfortable anytime, whether you're asleep or awake. But again, like Sophie said, having TV or any real intense form of stimulus right before bed is not the most healthy. So yes, it's normal. Yes, we relate. But if you can find a way to exchange it for a healthier form of entertainment right before bed, we'd highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, is it normal that I hate the taste of alcohol? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I honestly, I would say I know more people who dis- despise the taste of alcohol than people who truly just enjoy it. Um, and that's not the same for every alcohol. Like I know some people who just really love a good glass of wine, 
Um, but other mm. people just can be social drinkers and say, I don't love alcohol, but you know, I like the effects of alcohol. So they cope with the bitter taste that comes with it. But no, I don't think you have to like alcohol. I think it's also an acquired taste. Absolutely. That it's like, um, like you just have to try it a bunch of times and it's acquired. Mm -hmm. So like where my dad like loves like a little glass of whiskey, like that to me is like the most disgusting thing ever, but I'm sure if I drink it more, I'd like it. But I think the actual, like, I love wine. Like that is a very pleasant taste for Mm -hmm. me, but I don't know anyone who can like drink vodka straight. Like that's why I orange juice and cranberries do it because it's not, it's like hand sanitizer. Look, if you choose to drink and if you like to drink, drink responsibly, but you also, there's no pressure or need to drink. I am a big supporter that you can be the life of the party completely sober. Um, So no, if alcohol is not your thing, don't force it to be. Number four, is it normal to feel attracted to people only because they are attracted to me? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think people crave attention and we love that. That's a natural thing in human beings. So when someone gives you the attention you desire, it is absolutely an attractive trait. I think there's nothing wrong with that as long as it eventually will flourish into a relationship where, you know, there are more attractions than just the fact that they like you back. Um, yeah. I think if, if it's only that, you know, there might be some work you have to do on yourself in order to get that attraction at other places and that satisfaction other places. Um, but I don't think that's a bad starting off point for a relationship at all. Yeah, I think you summed that up perfectly. I think it's, you cannot pursue that relationship if that is the only reason and there's no other reason why you are attracted to that person at all, other than the fact that they're attracted to you. Our next one is, is it normal? I think Mr. Bean is cute, (laughs) which I think is so funny because Mr. Bean is played by an actor called Rowan Atkinson. And in these movies, he doesn't talk, but he's this hilarious man. (laughs) But I don't, I think he's like cute, like, like a little funny, but not like cute, like attractive wise. So I just had to search up this character because I'm I'm not a fan of the movies, or at least I haven't been exposed to the movies yet. And just from first glance, he's not my cup of tea. No. But I don't think there's one specific answer to what is cute and what is not. So if that is what you enjoy, 100% go for it. I say inquire about Mr. Bean's availability. <laughs> he honestly is very funny. The movies are really funny. It is very like... British humor so uh, I'm not yeah. sure if it's everyone's cup of tea but um that's just so funny to me that's not I never really describe him as cute okay number six is it normal to lie to my significant other that I want kids when I really don't Ooh, you should see our faces right now we both kind of went well <laughs> like honestly I never have and never will I don't I feel like other I feel like it's normal like I feel like people do that yeah I mean again it's the question between what is normal and what is healthy I don't think that having a lie be you know a significant part of your relationship and I think something that you know is as important to people as having kids in their future is such a big one I don't think it's it's a positive thing to start off at least with that misunderstanding because then if you think down the line what is that going to lead to it's either going to lead to one person having to compromise or you know an inevitable breakup because of a difference of opinions um and a difference of 
perspectives of life and what people want out of a relationship. So as long as you've, you know, thought it through and you know your exit plan of what, what then once I have to actually deal with it, it's not abnormal, but it's also not the best foundation for a strong relationship. You don't want to resent your significant other. Absolutely. And I think that's like a perfect recipe to resentment. 100%. From one side. Um, okay. And then Jenna and I added our own, is it normal? So these are <laughs> questions for you that we want to know. Is it normal that we don't know the answers to? <laughs> Mine's really weird. But my is it normal is, is it normal that I like lumpy foods? And let me explain. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I do not like cheesecake because it's like smooth I don't like 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 yogurt without fruit because it's like smooth like if I'm having yogurt like I need like a fruit like I need to put like berries into it or like seeds into it or like bubble tea like I don't want to just have tea like I want like the tapioca and like is it like I don't know if I like to like chew my food or like drinks but like I like having texture to my food I don't like like smoothness so the good news is we don't need to wait for you know our viewers to chime in because I can answer this right now it is not normal no, but if it wasn't normal, then people wouldn't make like chia pudding and 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 rice pudding and also tea. make I the smooth like versions of things. And it's like, why, why, why? Because <laughs> it because I like it. Okay, I think like, it's I will eat preference. smooth food. I will eat smooth food, but like as a kid, like I wouldn't eat yogurt. I wouldn't eat. What about like a like, clear soup? Cream cheese. Yeah, but that's different that's like tea or coffee like that's oh, okay. fine I don't put things into that but I mean like creamy substance like I don't eat dip interesting end of store I don't eat dip but like yeah I don't know I never really like cheese like very interesting at all. all right we'll have to post like a poll food. we'll have to post a poll on our Instagram to see if you are in the majority or minority for that I know okay my isn't normal I asked is it normal to not like driving I don't have a driver's license. And at the moment, I don't really see a need to get a driver's license where I live. Uh, I live in a big city where there's lots of access to public transit. And I personally don't like driving. I find it not, a lot of people, you know, find it to be a huge stress reliever. I find it stress inducing. I, you know, don't find it enjoyable. And I don't necessarily see a huge reason to get it right now thoughts I think it's normal like I feel like definitely other people feel that way like I have an opposite like I I love driving I feel I find it so freeing Mm -hmm. but that's just like how I feel about it it doesn't like cause me stress I like I like that feeling of control I guess right but and like speed but um I I think it's like a normal thing I know so many people who hate driving and don't want to drive um and get really nervous about it so especially like where we live, like you don't really need, it's almost like (laughs) more of a nuisance to drive than it is to use public transit. Right. So I don't know. I think that it's very personal. If you're a driver out there and you want to chauffeur me around, um, absolutely. I'd accept that. So definitely reach out to me because I am looking for a personal driver. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so I think that brings us to the end of our little segment. I thought that was super fun. And I think it's just really important to remember no, there's no such thing as normal. But I thought it was really helpful to air what I worried about being normal and hear that it's not as out there as I once thought it was. No, exactly. And I just want to do a little bit of a high level summary for all the burnout that we talked about. So we went through a little bit about 
what burnout is, the definition of it, the signs of burnout. We talked about different types of burnout and which ones resonated with us, our personal burnout, how to recover from burnout, and the fact that burnout is a cycle. It's a natural um, part of life. So I think that burnout is a really important conversation to have. We need to do everything we can to normalize burnout because as we said above, though there is no normal, burnout is inevitable. Burnout happens to everybody in different ways, in different shapes, and in different styles. Uh, but burnout is something that we are all going to experience at one point in our lives. So the more comfortable we get with it, the more we open the conversation about it, the easier it will be for us to get through it. And we can only get through it if we get through it together. And I hope that if you're feeling burnt out right now or feel a burnout coming on, that some of the strategies that we talked about today resonated with you and hopefully help you beat that burnout and prevent a future one. And we wish you all the best with that. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We loved making this. It was one of my personal favorites. If you did, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating on all major streaming platforms. It means so much to us when you guys share your opinions about our podcast. We definitely take them to heart. And when I say that we do a little happy dance when we get to see positive feedback, uh, that's just the beginning. We get so excited from hearing from you. So definitely make sure to share how you're feeling about our stuff on Instagram, on anywhere that you can see our podcast and listen to it. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and check out our website at www.my20somethingspodcast.com for some fun content you can't get anywhere else. We love you all so much and we're so grateful for this community we have built online. We're wishing you a lovely stress-free week. Make sure you guys take care of yourself first. Stay healthy, hopeful, and happy because you got this. Bye guys.